Trinity Baptist Church. Hear the word of the Lord as recorded in the Psalms. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world, and earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all people see his glory. All who worship images are put to shame, those who boast in idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Word of the Lord. Happy New Year. I am just thrilled that you are here this morning because we are starting this seven week series on joy. And to get us started, I want you to think for a moment about the greatest day of your life. What was the greatest? 24-hour unit of time that you've ever experienced, okay? Think about that for just a minute. Everybody got one? Yeah? Some of you are going, man, nothing great has ever happened to me. (laughs) And if it was, it was only for like 30 seconds. No, maybe maybe the, the greatest... You've had extraordinary days in your life. We all have. There was the day that you were born. You remember that day, right? That was the day that, you know, you first sucked in air and, and the adventure of life began for you. That was a great day. It was an amazing day. Or maybe the greatest day for you was the day you took your first step. And, and you went from being immobile to mobile. And you started walking. And from that day forward, your world has never been the same. And your mother's world was never again the same. Or maybe the greatest day was the day that you started talking. And you became a talker. And some of you haven't stopped talking since that day. And you know who you are. Um, maybe, maybe the greatest day for you was, was the day that you learned how to read a book and, and the world opened to you, or maybe the day that you graduated from high school, that was, that was a great day, or maybe the day you, you got your first job and and you got your first paycheck in your name, that was, that was an amazing day. Maybe it was, you know, the day you made your first friend, or the day you had a first date, or the day you fell in love, or the day you got married, or the day that your child was born. I mean, those are all great days, extraordinary days. But I'd like to make a case that this day, January 4, 
2015 is the greatest day of your life. Doesn't mean that it's going to be easy or, or pain-free or, or pleasant. For some of us, it won't be. And I know, for some of, I know for a fact for some of us it won't be. But the reason that this day is your greatest day is because this is the day you have. This is the only day you've got. You see, there are some people who live in these days. And they, they live with regrets that happened in these days. Or they live with hopes that some of these days will come again. But the thing about these days is they are irretrievably gone. They'll never come back. And if you live in these days, you will never live in joy. Or some of us live in these days. The, the, those days that are out there, the days that are still to come, those are future days, and we don't know what's going to come with those days, and those days aren't guaranteed us. And if you try to live in these days, you will never live in joy. You see, joy, a lot, a lot of us equate joy with happiness. But joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness is, comes from the Middle English word hap, which means chance or good luck. We get our words perhaps or happenstance from it. You see, happiness is circumstantial. By definition, happiness is circumstantial. When something happens, gives us a, a feeling of uh, pleasant feeling or, or pleasure, it makes us happy. That's not joy. Joy is a state of being. Joy is a place that, that we live in and live out of. This day, right here, this day in the middle of the, the timeline of your life, this day is God's gift to you. This day is what counts. This is the day that you can experience joy regardless of what happens. Because this is the day that you can meet with God. That's why the psalmist wrote, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He didn't write, Yesterday was the day that the Lord made. Wasn't it great? Let's rejoice about it. He didn't write, tomorrow will be the day that the Lord will make. Let's endure today so that we can get to tomorrow. He said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, John Ortberg, in, in this book, some of you have read this, The Life You've Always Wanted. Great book. I recommend it to you. He, he has a, a chapter in here on joy, and it's, it's a worthwhile read if you want to, you know, dig in a little bit more about joy. But he tells this story about his giving a bath to his daughter, Mallory. <clears throat> and he says this. 
I was trying to get Mallory dried off. Mallory was out of the water, but was doing what has, has come to be known in our family as the Dida Day dance. This consists of her running around and around in circles, singing over and over again, Dida Day, Dida Day, Dida Day. It is a relatively simple dance expressing great joy. When she is too happy to hold it in any longer, when words are inadequate to give voice to, to her euphoria, she has to dance to release her joy. So she does the Dida Day dance. On this particular occasion, I was irritated. Mallory, hurry, I prodded. So she did. Um, so she did. She began running in circles faster and faster and chanting, Dida Day, Dida Day, more rapidly. No, Mallory, that's not what I mean. Stop with the Dida Day stuff. Get over here so I can dry you off. Hurry. Then she asked a profound question. Why? I had no answer. I had nowhere to go, nothing to do, no meetings to attend, no sermons to write. I was just so used to hurrying, so preoccupied with my own little agenda, so trapped in this rut of moving from one task to another, that here was life, here was joy, here was an invitation to the dance right in front of me, and I was missing it. So I got up, and Mallory and I did the Dida Day dance together. And she said I was pretty good at it for a man my age. <laughs> for Mallory, life was not about moving to the next thing. It was about living in the present. She was in this day. When she was getting a bath, that was a Dida Day moment for her. When she was being dried off, that was a Dida Day moment for her. The thing that would come after she was dry, that was a Dida Day moment for her. She was experiencing the joy of this day. Now that's not to say that every day will be easy or pleasant or pain-free pain because they won't be. But every moment is a gift. Every moment is a gift. Friends, joy is at the heart of God's plan for our lives. Do you know that? Jesus taught that joy is one of the hallmarks of, of his plan for us. Jesus' mission statement was, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. What is full life without joy? Isn't, isn't fullness of life living joyfully? Jesus would also say in John 15, he said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus wants us to live in complete joy. And when people discover the life that God has to offer in Jesus, this, this kingdom life that he has to offer, 
Jesus said that they are like a man who found a treasure in a field and hid it again and then in his joy went and sold everything he had and bought the field. The question I have for us this morning is, is this something that we really want? Do we really want complete joy? The way you're looking at me, I wouldn't, I couldn't tell. We say yes. We, my guess is that all of us would say yes. I want complete joy in life. But do we really? C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Weight of Glory. And in this book, he says, if we consider the un." The unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased. What Lewis is saying is that God is offering us this complete joy, this infinite joy, but there are so many joy counterfeits in our world that we are easily duped. Drink, sex, ambition, We could go on and on, right? But here's the thing. All of those things don't really offer joy. What they offer is happiness. They offer this momentary blip of emotional bliss. They don't offer joy because they're all circumstantial. All circumstantial. The only thing that ultimately satisfies is the joy of the Lord. If you get nothing else from this message today, please get this. Joy is at the heart of God. And we will never... We will never understand the significance of joy in the human life until we understand how important joy is to God and how much He wants it for us. Um, I think that maybe the greatest enemy to joy is that we don't know what we're missing. When I was, over the last couple of months, I've been reading a lot of stuff about joy and I, and I came across um, a Hasidic uh, tale written by a guy named Isaac uh, Peretz. And the, the chief character in this, in this tale is a guy by the name of Bancha the Silent. And it, it talks about the fact that, that Bancha n- never experienced joy in life. That he, he lived a Spartan existence and, you know, just he was a joyless guy. But as the tale goes, 
um, when Bancha finally died, he found himself in the throne room of, of God, standing before the Almighty. And here's what Peretz writes. He says, God looked tenderly at Bancha and said, My son, all your joyless life you had nothing. You lived without hope. But now, here in my presence, there is fullness of joy. Only ask and you shall receive. Bancha pondered for a moment and said, Anything at all? Yes, said the Almighty. Anything you want. After a long pause, Bancha said to the Almighty, I would like a freshly baked roll with real butter. And heaven wept. You see, the tragedy of Bancha's life was not that he wanted too much, but that he wanted too little. The tragedy of Bancha's life was that he had reduced God and, and, and the fullness of joy to a roll with butter. He had become, in C.S. Lewis's words, far too easily pleased. Friends, God doesn't want us to be far too easily pleased. He wants us to experience the fullness of life, but often we don't. And it's not because God hasn't offered it to us. It's not because God hasn't made it available to us. It's because we have a disease that you could call take-it-for-granted-itis. Anybody ever take stuff for granted? Sun come up this morning, take that for granted? Yeah, it does that every day. Suck in the next breath. Take that for granted? Yeah. That's how lungs are supposed to work. Heart beats again and again and again? Of course it should. We take all kinds of things for granted. Um, you know, just birds singing and fish swimming and, and children growing... It's all, you know, been there, done that. God, I need you to wow me with something. Give me that promotion. Give me that new job. Give me that new apartment. Then I'll be, then I'll, I'll recognize you. I don't know if we realize this. But God has never taken anything for granted. God has seen everything there is to see. He knows everything there is to know. And every day when the sun comes up, God gets excited like a little kid. And he says, I'm going to do that again tomorrow. And friends, when we are not filled with awe and wonder and delight at the world around us and the life that God has given us. It's not because we are too sophisticated or too intelligent. It's because we have become satisfied with far too little. We've got take it for granted itis. Now, don't get me wrong. God understands sorrow. In fact, Jesus was 
described as a man, um, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But, but the sorrow of God, like the anger of God, is his temporary response to a fallen world. And, and it's going to be gone forever when he comes back and he sets this place right. But what we need to understand is joy. Joy is God's basic character. Joy is God's eternal destiny. God is the most joyful being in the universe. And here's why that matters. In John 15, after Jesus has taught his disciples a bunch of stuff and and he's told them to to abide in him, he says this in, in verse 11. He says, I have told you this. I've taught you. I've I've been with you. I've I've modeled for you. I've I've shown you what life can be about. And I've done it for a reason. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus was, was known as a joyful man. And Part of the reason people loved being around him was because he was so joyful. And his goal for us is to abide with him and to be filled with authentic, God-honoring, truth-embracing, pain-defying joy. Friends, we were made for joy. Probably the, the single most famous statement from the Westminster Shorter Catechism is this line. The chief end of human beings is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Did you get that? And enjoy Him forever. You see, God's all about joy. God is the most joyous being in the universe. Paul Put it like this. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, I can't make myself be joyful. But what I can do is abide in God who is a joyful being. One thing I can do is discipline myself not to take things for granted, but to be Grateful for everything that God has given me and abide in his joy and celebrate the life that he's given me. James said, not this James, but Jesus' brother James. Um, I often quote James, but uh, James said, every good and perfect gift is from, is is." is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Everything we have is a gift from God. If you have ever read through the Old Testament, you will see that Israel was a nation that was commanded to be joyful. Do you know that? They had feast days and celebration days that they were commanded to observe. And those days were, were there to celebrate the life that God had given them. It was, you don't, it's not have that party if you feel like it. No, you have that party. Because this is the life that God's given you and you need to celebrate that with eat and drink and dance. Jesus 
loved going to parties, right? One of the reasons the Pharisees didn't like Jesus was because he was constantly going to parties with people that the Pharisees said were sinners. In fact, what was the first miracle that Jesus did? Turned water into wine, right? Why? So that the party could continue. Jesus loved to celebrate life. For the Christian, joyful celebration of life should be our hallmark. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Can you imagine what would happen in our world if one of the primary characteristics that people associated with followers of Jesus was joy? Instead of people, when they thought about Christians, thought judgmental and arrogant and you fill out the words, what if what they thought was joy? What if they said, you know what, those are the most, those people, they laugh at themselves, they, they, they celebrate life even when it's hard. Man, I don't get that. And what if our church became famous for joy. One of the, on, on the front of your bulletin, it, it, we, the tagline for, for Trinity is we want to be a community of faith, obedience, and joy. Um, it's part of our, our mission to be, to be a joyful community. What if when, when people came into this place, came into a Sunday service or, or anything that we were doing here. Stranger, visitor, maybe not really a church person. Maybe they don't really know the Bible. Um, don't feel maybe kind of messed, messed up or whatever. What if when they walked in, they just experienced joy and didn't really know why? You say, but Keith, sometimes I just don't feel joyful. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sometimes we don't feel joyful. And that's when we have to choose joy. Because joy is not just about what we feel, but we, it's a choice that we make. Psalm 66 says, shout with joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name, make, make his praise glorious. The psalmist didn't say, shout with joy when you feel like it. The psalmist said, shout with joy. Just do it. You see, joy is not just something we feel, it's something that we do. Jesus commanded his disciples that in the midst of persecution... In Luke chapter 6, he says, In the midst of persecution, rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. You see, joy is not just a feeling, but it's a state of being that we can choose to be in. The Apostle Paul said to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. He said to the Thessalonians, he said, be joyful when? Always. 
Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Peter spoke of joy as a given for the followers of Christ. In 1 Peter 1, he says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, joy is both what one feels and what one does. And by the way, joy is one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. If you are living life with the Spirit in control, you will exude joy. You just will. The reason a Christian can experience joy is because our joy is more than happiness. It's more than circumstance. Our joy is based on objective reality. The realities of God, His Son, and the gospel go deeper than any experience of pain or pleasure. We, we see this from the first Christians who suffered, the Bible tells us, joyfully. When you read in the book of Acts about those, the early apostles and how they got tortured and flogged, it says in Acts chapter 5 that they left prison rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to, to suffer for the name of Jesus. Clearly, their joy came from something deeper than circumstance. Typically, we equate joy with happiness, but they're not the same thing. Christian joy is anchored in the facts of faith, not in circumstance. Christ has come, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ is coming again, my sins are forgiven, my hope is sure, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. These are the facts, these are the fixed realities that don't change in an ever-changing circumstantial world. These are the things that are the soil of joy. So how do we live in joy? Well, that's what you need to come back for for the next six weeks. Because that's what we're going to be talking about over the next six weeks. But for today, the first step is simply begin now. The psalmist says, this is the day. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He didn't say these were the days. He didn't say these are going to be the days. He says this is the day. This is the day. We all live with the illusion that joy will come someday. When conditions change. We go to school. And we think school's hard. And we think, oh, life will be better. I'll be happy when I get out of school and get a job. And then we get a job. Man, I want to go back to school. Right? 
or we think, you know, I'm single and I'll, I'll really be happy when I get married and then we get married. <laughs> oh, to be single again. Or we don't have children and we say, you know, we'll really be happy when we have children and then we have children. You, right? There's always that, that someday. But all of those things are circumstantial. And they're focused on happiness, not joy. Because joy is a state of being that we can choose to live in when we choose to abide in the God of complete joy. When we choose to live in the fullness of life that he came to give us. This is God's day, the psalmist says. This is the day that God has made. This is the day that Christ's death has redeemed. This is the day that we can come to know him in a much deeper way and experience his joy. Now, you might say, well, but how can I embrace joy amidst all the pain and suffering in the world? How, how can I be joyful in the midst of trials and troubles? Well, Jesus' brother James said, Consider it pure joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. Now, it seems kind of weird that trial would be a venue for joy, doesn't it? So why would God say that? Well, apart from the the obvious, what what's stated in, in the text in James 1, that through trial... God produces a character in us that looks more like Jesus. And if we look more like Jesus, we're going to live more like him and therefore experience more of the joy that he had. But beside that, I would say that when we're going through trial, when we're experiencing trouble, we tend to lean more into God in those times. And the more we lean into him, the more we're filled up with him and the more of his joy we experience. Friends, if we don't rejoice today, regardless of circumstance, we will not rejoice at all. If we wait until conditions are perfect, we will still be waiting when we die. If we're going to rejoice, it must be in this day. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the day that is a gift. All all of these days are gone. None of these days are here, and we don't know what's going to come with them. This is the day that God has given us. This is the Dida day. You're alive today, I assume. Some of you, I'm not sure, but you're sucking in air. Your heart is beating. This is your day to live in joy. And the reason you can do it today, 
The reason that you can live in joy today in, in spite of all of the to- horrible stuff that's going on in our world, in spite of the trial and, and challenge that might be in your life, the reason that, that you can live in joy today is that one day this man Jesus, who was the most joyful man the world has ever known, This man, Jesus, went to the cross, amazingly enough, we are told, for the joy set before him. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and died and was buried. And when he was buried, everybody thought that joy was buried with him. But then on the third day, on the third day, God said, let's do this again. And he said to his son, Jesus, it's time to get up. And Jesus rose from the dead, and that was a Dida day. And every day since has been a gift. Every day since. So I don't know what's going on in your life right now. All I know is this is the only day you've got. This is your day. This is your day to rejoice. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let me pray for us. Lord, some of us had an amazing 2014. And we... It was just a great year, but, but, but it's gone. And some of us had a terrible 2014. And we're glad it's gone. And some of us are, are hopeful for 2015, and we're making resolutions, and we're making plans, and we're hoping that it's going to be just an awesome year, but it's not here yet. What you've given us, Lord, is today. That's all you've given us. And so we're going to make today a Dida day. And we're going to live in your joy. And we're going to live in the fullness of life that you came to give us. And we're going to experience you because it is your presence that makes us whole. And Lord, the reason that we can be joyful today and we get up tomorrow, the reason we can be joyful in tomorrow and the next and the next is because of the realities, the objective realities of our faith. That Jesus Christ lived a sinless life and for our sake, he went to a cross, died for our sin that we might have fullness of life in you. And that's what we celebrate when we come to the table. So, Lord, I pray that as we come to the table in a moment, we will recognize that you went to the cross, endured the cross, scorning it, shame for the joy set before you. And Scripture tells us that we are your joy. So we delight in you today. For your name's sake,